You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Don't be stubborn. No Here doubt. pressure, and Wilson recognized it. Streak straight up the middle, still spinning, dies for the end zone, touchdown. What a great run. His third rushing touchdown of the game, and that one took some skill. We are watching one of the best college football players in the country. It's BetQL Daily with Joe Ostrowski on the BetQL Audio Network. Two weeks from today, the NFL draft will be here and uh, we'll be betting it like crazy. It's BetQL Daily. Joe Ostrowski, Ross Tucker, Ryan Horvat here. And we're going to welcome into the conversation John Daigle from NBC Sports Edge. Go to NBCSports.com and you can check out his latest mock draft. Uh, John, appreciate you jumping on today. Uh, As we sit here two weeks out, we're taking in all the information, some of the misinformation as well. What is the number one question uh, going into this draft? I still believe the draft starts at number four. I know we are talking about number three quite a bit and which quarterback the 49ers could draft. But truly, I know it's the old cliche, but the draft does begin with the Falcons because there are so many options. Not only includes Atlanta, new GM Terry Fontenot sticking around and picking pits or perhaps a quarterback of the future, which Arthur Smith, the new coach, reportedly doesn't want to do, but also just trading out. And if they do trade out, who could it be? Could it be for Trey Lance or Justin Fields? We don't know. So I think that is the most intriguing spot right now and could lead to a lot of props getting cast or burned at that number four spot. What sold you on, yep, San Francisco moved up to take Mac Jones? I think early indications, and honestly, every indication we're seeing now from the people that know all say Mac Jones. And that's where the issue comes in because then everyone wants to analyze Mac Jones' game and say, oh, he's not good enough to, he's not worth two, three first round picks in the third rounder, right? He's, or perhaps he is good enough for the 49ers to trade up. But thing is, neither of those opinions matter whatsoever. Uh, he can be good and or bad, and the 49ers can take him. They're not, those decisions are not mutually exclusive. So I have just removed all the analysis, which I know I'm an analyst for NBC Sports Edge, a.k.a. RIP Roto World. Uh, that is my <laughs> job. But at the same time, if we're trying to win money, which is what we're trying to do with draft props, and just mock accordingly so we can let fans know what happens, I'm removing my opinion altogether. I'm looking in the mirror. I'm only taking the information, what is being given to me by very intelligent people like Daniel Jeremiah, Peter Schrager, Adam Schefter, and all key leads point to Matt Jones being selected number three. John, you mentioned Atlanta and number four. I guess the question is, what do you think they'll do? So 
as I write in my mock draft, I genuinely think this is very subjective. It just depends what you believe happens. I think that Arthur Smith has his way. Uh, I think Matt Ryan, although the age, it sounds somewhat scary, 36. I mean, you look at Drew Brees, who I know he just retired this year, but at the age he retired, Tom Brady's still going strong. Nutrition, uh, training, of course, getting better every single year in the league and off the field. So 36 is actually relatively young for a guy still playing at a Pro Bowl level. So if they do stay put, I genuinely think it would be Kyle Pitts, and he could help keep Matt Ryan elevated through Ryan's contract in the 2023 season. And also remember Hayden Hurst in the final year of his deal. Uh, Hurst would not be a roadblock for Kyle Pitts, who also ran 21% of his routes from the slot the past two years at Florida. They can make that work if they stay put. All right, so then we get to five at Cincinnati. And I'm curious, John, let's say their options are as you've laid it out. Let's even say Kyle Pitts is there. Let's say Atlanta takes a quarterback and the Bengals can go Sewell, Chase, or Pitts, where would you envision them going? I know you are the meme lord, Tucker, with a Sewell <laughs> meme about uh, Joe Burrow falling on his ass, perhaps, if he doesn't get protection. And while I do think that's true, I think Jamar Chase just makes – it just con- it just connects the dots easier for that front office who Mike Brown, again, remember, showed that he's willing to attempt to make a splash. He tried to with the top five pick in John Ross. Of course, that went awry, but he has a chance to rectify that here. Not only that, but you just take someone who we already know and confident is the face of the franchise, the franchise cornerstone, the guy on all your billboards in Cincinnati and Joe Burrow. And now you have a chance to get his college teammate, who I truly believe would have been uh, evaluated as the number one receiver prospect in last year's class, too. Just had immense production as a 19-year-old, and I know we forget that at LSU because he did opt out last year. But it's just a tremendous ad, especially seeing A.J. Green now out the way. And the team, although Auden Tate is a respectable guy who makes contested catches often, he's not a guy you want to go in as a star number three receiver in that offense with Joe Burrow to grow with. And so I do think the dots are connected to Chase. John, in your opinion, who do you think the best edge rusher in this draft is? Obviously a very important uh, position in the NFL, getting after the quarterback. Who do you think the best edge rusher in this draft is? Uh, Pay for Michigan. Quiddy Pay sounds like he, and when you watch him on the tape, he does jump off the most. Uh, It could be a couple other guys that injuries hadn't gotten in the way, but in my most recent mock, I did actually mock Pay to the Vikings at number 14, if only because we know their defense, especially since Daniil Hunter, is still very questionable. Missed all of last year, of course, with a neck injury. Um, and they just lack a pass rush, especially what they lost in free agency. Last year's fourth lowest pressure rate and finished bottom five in sacks. So I think they will be first on the board, um, unless the Giants get kind of sneaky on us and want to add an edge rusher as well. I think they will be first on the board to pick, and then I think Pay is the correct answer. If you were only able to play two props in this draft, what are your two favorite value bets in this one? My first one is Rashawn Slater as the first offensive lineman drafted. And let me preface it by saying, I don't even, I don't know if he will be, and I don't have the accreditation. Like this would be a Tucker thing to evaluate and say that Sewell or Slater, which one is better. But I do know that Slater's odds at a number of books you can look across is at least plus 350 to be the first O-lineman drafted. And in Peter Schrager and Daniel Jeremiah's latest mocks, he actually is the first O-lineman drafted. 
which of course doesn't mean he will be, but that means they both heard something, um, enough respect to put him there. So I think those odds, given the information we have, makes it a terrific bet, not even a long shot, but one we could see happen. And the odds should be much lower, which is why it's valuable right now. And then I also like Devonta Smith over 11 and a half, currently at minus 105 last time I checked last night. I think there's only one chance he gets drafted in the top 11, and that's the Giants. And I just don't foresee someone like Dave Gettleman, who when you Google his past press conferences, the term hog mollies is used so often because he's a frame and body type guy. I don't see that type of individual in an NFL office looking at small undersized Devontae Smith and knowing how to maximize his talent. And if that's our only chance in the top 11 to, for Devontae Smith to go off the board, then I think it's tremendous to go over that number. With John Daigle, NFL and fantasy football, uh, he covers it all over at NBC Sports Edge. Take at, Check out his uh, latest mock, NBCSports.com. And Ross agrees with you on Slater. He's been all over that for like the, at least the last month. First offensive lineman, uh, so you're not alone there. And, yeah, we've heard a lot about the, Devontae sliding over the last couple of days. Uh, in your mock, you've got five quarterbacks going in the top nine. How confident are you that that's going to that's gonna happen? I would be, I'm very confident in happening. Now, if you ask me how confident I am in the order I have it, I would not be as confident, but mm-hmm. I would think we see the big five as they are, uh, especially because the tiers fall off and it becomes very debatable between, I mean, you can just go down the list, Kellen Mon, Kyle Trask, the list goes on and on after these five, but it seems certain that they will fall in the top five, especially because a lot of teams are in need. Uh, Denver, of course, or Carolina, even in trading for Sam Darnold, even in likely exercising, uh, I don't think it's official just yet, his fifth-year option. We know they're still very open to adding a quarterback. And if someone with the athleticism of Justin Fields falls to Matt Rule and Scott Fitter, they showed last year, unlike the Raiders, they prioritize athleticism. That's what they're looking for. And so it just makes all the sense in the world for someone like Lance or Fields to land there if they do slip. And then, of course, the Broncos, uh, they can say whatever they want about Drew Locke, but honestly, the fact is they're not tied to him. He's a second-round quarterback who slipped uh, and really didn't progress last year at all, which was his first full year as a starter for the team. So given their weapons, both on offense and defense, they are quietly a team that is literally ready to compete immediately as long as they have league, league average play under center. And just the athleticism Lance would bring if he slips that far – could easily end up there as well. Um, and then, of course, if Matt Jones falls at number three. So I would say on a scale of nine to t- or one to ten, I'm nine and being very confident about five quarterbacks landing there. John, who, give me a guy or two that you think is going to go a lot lower or a lot higher than the mock drafts out there seem to think. I believe overall receivers look like they're going to fall. And this class is interesting. A lot have been hyped them as a better class than last year, which is insane given the production that last year's receivers already proved in their rookie year. What's funny about this class, though, is that a lot of them have singular strengths, and it's going to come down to the coaching staff and the destination they land and if those talents are maximized. Otherwise, they could be thrown out of whack. Think Henry Ruggs last year in the Raiders, how they used him as a nine route runner when he wasn't that at Alabama at all. Like Alabama knew how to get him the ball underneath and let him do what he does best. But John Gruden used him incorrectly all over the field. 
And so a guy like Kadarius Tony, for instance, the you know six foot slot receiver, just explodes off the tape, makes a big play. All of Devin Hester almost, if he was thrown in the slot, anytime you see him, if someone tries to make him a nine route runner, I don't think that would go well at all. Uh, Rashad Bateman, for instance, as well, he actually led the league. We use yards per route run. I'm sure you've heard Silva and other friends of the show that have jumped on here as a uh, stat that helps predict. So that's why we like to use it in the fantasy and betting industry. And Rashad Bateman actually led the nation, the entire country in yards per route run two years ago from the boundary because he's an outside receiver. But Minnesota didn't have much talent, so they moved him strictly to the slot last year in the five games he played and then just pummeled him with targets underneath. But he proved he can do both. Uh, I still worry that NFL execs won't see that, though, and they will only pigeonhole him to the slot, even though he's super explosive and can play everywhere. So overall, I think these are all concerns that quantify the entire class, and I think we're going to see receivers fall quite a bit, which is also leading me back to my favorite prop, like we talked about earlier, Devontae Smith over 11 and a half. That is John Daigle, NBC Sports Edge. Follow him on Twitter at NotJDaigle. Thank you, John. Enjoy the draft, man. Thanks, gentlemen. Good stuff there from John. Ross, we will talk uh, next Thursday. We'll be a week out. We'll have even more bets to discuss. Hopefully uh, more are available to us. Cannot wait. There's Ross Tucker. I'm Joe Ostrowski with Ryan Horvat. We're going to stick around another hour. NBA with Bobby Marks from ESPN Next on the BetQL Audio Network.